We're in Lesson 14. We're going to look at the issue today. We're in Lesson 14, Chapter 7 of Revelation. We're going to look today at the issue of salvation in the Tribulation. We've been talking about the Tribulation. You know, it's not necessarily referred to it as that way in the book of Revelation. That is what we call it. It's that period of time in which God, through the loosing of the seals, unleashes a series of judgments upon this world in judgment of this world for its rebellion against God and its oppression of God's people. Scholars say that that period of time is seven years. We see that from different passages in the Scripture, even from this book. And what we're going to see is, is that it's a time when there is much happening. I mean, last week we saw with one seal, what, a fourth of the world's population wiped out, gone, dies because of war, because of famine, because of animals. I mean, that's pretty tragic. So, what we're going to see, though, is that in the midst of all of this, there is going to be hope for some. There is going to be hope for some as they respond to the gospel, and we're going to see that. Now, I want you to understand, though, but hope for them does not necessarily mean that everything is going to be rosy for them during this time period. And we're going to see that as we go through the passage. So first of all, let's look at the 144,000. We see that in verses 1 through 8 of chapter 7. And after these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that they, the wind should not blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Nephtali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manassas, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. And of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. Let's take a look here. First of all, the sealing of the 144,000. Let me just stop for a moment. It's going to be interesting to you as we go through this. We're going to learn some things about the 144,000 as we go through the book of Revelation. But there is a group today that claims that they are the 144,000. Who is that, folks? Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, they have had to adjust that. When they first 
came into being when their leader, who actually was from Pittsburgh, came into being and started this cult, they, they claimed that they were the 144,000. But the problem is that there are more than 144,000 Jehovah Witnesses now. Do you realize that? So somehow they had to adjust their teaching because the 144,000 are the ones who are going to survive and everybody else is going to be annihilated according to Jehovah Witness teaching. So, I mean, if you're one of the Jehovah Witnesses, how do you figure out you're one of the ones? You know, so, I mean, so what we're going to see, though, is forget how they figure that out. We're going to see what the Bible says, and you're going to see that how they're wrong. First of all, John sees a vision of four angels. These angels are located on every point of the earth. Now, science and scholars will look at the Bible and say, oh, give me a break, four corners of the earth. Everybody knows the earth is round. They're writing in the times of their, you know, they're writing in the language of their times. And, and when he's talking about, he's not saying that the earth is square here. He's saying the four points, basically from east to west to north to south. So there are four angels who are located on every point of the earth is what it's saying here. Now, the purpose is the angels are to ensure that no wind blows on the earth and the sea. I want you to stop for a moment. How devastating would that be to the planet with no wind? Not even a breeze. How's that? Okay, one of the things, as you'll see later, it says... Don't harm the trees. Wait, hold off a minute. You don't want to harm the trees yet. How's that going to harm the trees not to have any wind? Yeah, they won't be able to pollinate, won't be able to reproduce. How's that going to harm, how's that going to harm crops? Yeah. You know, I, how's that going to harm man? It'll be hot. Yeah, there's no, no cool breeze coming to blow, circulate temperatures and so forth. The seeds are even going to be affected by it. You understand? The seas are good. How many of you have been to the ocean and you know you've been there one day and it's just beautiful and the waves are really nice and the next day a storm comes up and they're like huge? You know, how many of you have been on Lake Erie and watched that happen? You know, the reality is the wind affects things, doesn't it? So these angels are given the power to hold back the winds. Now, there comes an angel from the east and an angel comes from the east with the seal of God. Now, I don't understand exactly what this means. I know that back then, in their culture, we do it somewhat still today. Like if you go get a legal document, they'll have a raised seal. You know, do you know what I'm talking about? Or the notary will put a seal on it. Some states it's a raised whatever, and you've got to have a document with a raised whatever to make it legitimate or legal. That comes from the ancient culture where back then you would have like a seal, like you put hot wax in a signet ring. That's what it was called. You would put that ring on there, and that would be a seal or whatever. And, and so somehow this guy has some sort of, maybe it's a signet ring, he has some sort of seal that he comes with. This angel from the east comes with a seal of God. Now, here's what happens. This seal has a meaning. The seal denotes ownership and protection. Whenever you see God sealing individuals, 
you, it means ownership that you belong to whoever's sealing you and you have his protection. So, for instance, let's go back. I'll give you two examples to help you to understand. I want you to go back because there's a great parallel between what's happening in the book of Revelation and what happens in the book of Exodus with the plagues. Remember, the plagues happened and they affected who? Who were their plagues against, folks? Egypt. Okay, now in, in the midst of Egypt was another group of people, the Israelites. Did the plagues affect them? Why? Because they were what? Sealed. You understand? In fact, the night of the, of the last plague, the last great plague where the firstborn was killed, they had to apply on what? On the mantles of the doorposts, what? Blood. And that would seal that household against what? The death angel coming and killing. So what you see there is there's a seal there protecting God's people in that situation. Now let's go over to the New Testament. Ephesians, in the first chapter, Paul talks about the Holy Spirit being our what? Seal. What does that mean? Denotes ownership, we belong to him, and what? Protection. Isn't that awesome? So here's the seal of God. He's going to bring the seal of God. He's got a specific duty that he's doing in the midst of, these, of this tribulational period. So here's what we're going to see happening. The angel makes a statement, first of all, to the other angels. The four angels have been given the task to harm. Okay, we see that. They've been given the task to harm the earth and the seas. So, again, their job is to wreak havoc on the world. Now, this other angel says the angels are to withhold judgment until what? God's servants are sealed. They're to withhold judgment until God's servants are sealed during that time period. In the midst of that tribulation. So then we come to verses 4 through 8, and it talks about the sealing of the servants. In verse 4, John hears a number. He hears them talked about. And here's what he says. John hears the number of Jewish believers who are sealed. Okay, stop right there. Have you noticed that most of the Jehovah Witnesses who come to your door, who, who do they look like? Do they look Anglo-Saxons? Do they look Slavic? Do they look, you know, what, what do they look like? Are they Gentiles? Yeah, have you noticed that? Now, understand something here. John hears the number of what? Israelites who are to be sealed. This is what I'm saying to you right off the bat. They're on a wrong premise here. Because the 144,000 are Jews. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're Jews. So, right off the bat, we know that the first thing I can say about a Jehovah Witnesses and their concept of 144,000, they're wrong because they're, they're Jewish. And most of the ones I've met are non-Jewish people. Okay? They're non-Jewish people. And so he lists the sealed servants. And here's what I want you to see. The 144,000 servants come from the 12 tribes of Israel. 
The 144,000 come from the, the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, as you go through that list there, let me just point this out to you. You're going to recognize the name of a lot of these tribes, but then you're going to come to the tribe of Joseph, and you're like, tribe of Joseph? What do you mean by that? Because Joseph was the father of who? Manassas. So probably what's happening here is that what we're seeing here, the tribe of Joseph, is probably the tribe of Ephraim. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because he, there were two half-tribes from the tribe of Joseph, Manassas and what? Ephraim. So probably when it refers to the tribe of Joseph here, it is referring to the tribe of Ephraim. So we see there that there's 144,000 from these tribes of Israel. Now, verse 9 through 17 tells us that there is also going to be another group of believers in the, in the tribulation, and that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time today. And that's with reference to the multitude of martyrs that are seen. So I want you to notice with me verse 9 through 17. And after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all the nations, tribes, tongues, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the, one who, the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more and the sun shall not strike them, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Here's what I want you to see about these, this, this multitude. First of all, John sees a multitude of believers from every tribe and tongue. So in the midst of this tribulation, do you understand? In the midst of all this judgment, there are people who are getting saved. But they are from every tribe, tongue, people, ethnicity. You have to understand something. When we read, like when we read in the Bible here and it talks about nations, it's not talking about borders. Like, you know, borders are, are really within the last thousand years or so, borders of, of what we talk about France or, or, or Canada or United States or, or a state border or whatever, or even a county border. That, that's really within the last thousand years or more that we really have those kind of structures. Before that, it was ethnicities. When you talk about nations, you're talking about ethnic peoples. So he sees a multitude made up of people from all over the world. Every ethnicity there is, he sees there. Let's go on. 
Now here's what this multitude is doing. The multitude praises God and the Lamb for salvation. The multitude is praising God and the Lamb for salvation. And because of their praise, the angels and the elders respond, and we'll see that next here. The angels and the elders respond with their praises to, the, to their praises with worship. The elders, the angels and the elders respond to their praises with worship. Then in verse 13 now, John records that one of the elders comes over to him and asks him a question. The elder asks John who the multitude is. You, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you ever come up on a scene, something traumatic, traumatic just happened, and somebody who was there before you comes over and says, what happened? Well, you know, and that's his response, isn't it? John says, you know better than I do. I just got here. John responds that the elder knows the answer. Now, here's who they are. Here's who the elder says they are. The elder identifies the multitude as the martyrs of the tribulation. Yes, people are going to come to Jesus during this time, but folks, they're going to come to Jesus, but they're going to die for their faith. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, it's already happening now. Do you understand? There's, you, know, you have to understand, we already have people. People have died for their faith this week, folks. People have died around the world for their faith this week. People are dying today. Pakistan right now is one of the areas where they have these anti-blasphemy laws there where, you know, if you blaspheme the prophet, you, will, uh, you can be accused and then sentenced to death. And so people are false, falsely accusing Christians of blaspheming the prophet. And so people are dying. Multitudes are dying for their faith. In the tribulation, even more will die. Even more will die. Hey, folks, in the tribulation, Christians are going to die in America. Period. They're going to die all over the world. This multitude is a multitude of martyrs from the tribulation. Now, here's what happens. They're going to serve God continually in heaven. They're going to serve Him continually in heaven. They're going to be serving God forever in heaven. Now, you say, boy, that sounds... No, that's a special place of honor. To be in the presence of the Almighty God continually forever serving Him. That's a place of honor. Let's go on now. And here's the, here's the protection of that multitude. God will dwell with them. <laughs> That's an awesome thought, isn't it? God will dwell with them. And notice their provision. And this is the last point that we've got to make here. God will provide and protect them forever. 
Let me ask you this question. When you think about the suffering they will endure, how does that compare to the blessings they're going to receive? When you think about the suffering that they're going to endure, how does that compare to the blessings that they're going to receive? Huh? Yeah, I mean, the, the suffering is, won't even matter. The suffering is just for the moment. They can only kill you once. But the blessings will be what? Eternal. Forever and ever. In fact, you know what? There's a different mindset today. I, you know, we have the, I call it the North American mindset. And then there's the biblical mindset. What do you mean by that? The North American mindset is this. How many of you like problems? Raise your hand. Nobody raised their hand. How many of you like, how many like pain? Raise your hand. We don't like pain. We don't like suffering. And so the thought of, man, giving my life for Jesus, I don't know about that one. That's the North American mindset. Let me tell you about the, the biblical mindset. It was evidenced in the martyrs during the Roman Empire. Do you realize that during the Roman Empire that they were willing to give their lives? They would be willing to give their lives. I mean, if you read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, it's interesting. Some of the stories from that period, you know, you'll have one guy who will be caught, and he gives boldness in his faith there, and while he's giving boldness testimony about his faith, he's getting ready to be executed. The executioner becomes a Christian and takes his place with him to be killed. You know, he could have been a secret guy. He could have said, oh, yeah, I believe Jesus, but right now I'm not going to do anything. I mean, he's like, okay, I'll go with you. Now, that is so foreign to us, isn't it? Why? They have a better understanding of what comes, what's coming than what we have here. See, we get comfortable here. We're, we're comfortable here. Because we've made ourselves comfortable here. But for them, what's coming is far greater. We've got to reverse that in our minds, don't we, folks? We've got to reverse it in our minds. You know, we may have something here, but it's nothing compared to what's coming. And what you have here can be taken away quickly, can it not? For some of you who have retirement plans, what did you see happen two years ago when the economy crashed? You saw half of it, just what? And you're like, where did it go? Somebody got that. Somebody did, but you didn't. And what you were counting on, you know, a number of people I knew, I know some folks who, who, are, who are like they thought they were going to retire. Now they said, I'm working until I'm 80, you know. And it just wasn't there. What happened? We got comfortable. Stuff happens, folks. We've got to have what? An eternal perspective. And these folks in the tribulation, they're going to serve Jesus. And it's going to be far better than anything that can happen to them. Far better. Boy, we've got to change our mindset, don't we? Okay, we need to close our time. Let's close our time in prayer.